what's what's up? Got your podcast in the cut. Uh, the Telesis a societal podcast. I thought I'd go ahead and knock this out uh, before I go leave for the night. Go do something. Get out a little bit. Uh, enjoy the territory. Um, Auburn, hometown heroes. Uh, NAA, they defend home court. The uh, Pearlville, Tent City whatever other pejoratives you want to use to describe that great, amazing group of people. Um, the almost 30 hour plus, uh, I would say gauntlet they endured, <laughs> uh, came to an end in a very exciting and, uh, just whatever other trite statements you want to use to describe that game. Amazing. Honestly. Um, I was scared. I'm not going to lie to you. I was scared. I would say pretty much the majority of the time that they had Ty Ty, Severe, and the rest of the starters together. But for Kentucky fans that are pretty much on the auspices that if they had that squad healthy, they would have beat the dog mess out of uh, Auburn. I will say that similar to the Elite Eight uh, three years ago, I guess, no, uh, three years ago now, um, that was a team that had a early 10 point lead I would say more than probably 15 if I had to guess the top of my head and that team ultimately as we all remember lost that lead uh, I mean I just think that Kentucky has a level in some matchups not every match against Auburn but in some matchups they do have a moment where they catch either Auburn off guard uh, they um, they just sometimes I think I think the challenge is sometimes bigger than Auburn is willing to admit. I mean, I think sometimes Auburn tries to play up to the stakes more than they need to, and they take bad shots. Uh, in the Elite Eight situation, I think it was literally just not having Chumo Kiki, um, and that just changed the math a lot about that game. And in this game, uh, to kind of get some of the takeaways, I want to stick to more um, explorative takeaways that are a little bit bigger in this game because I've said for days now that the reason this game is so massive is not because specifically because it is uh, Kentucky it is massive because it's a statement game for literally the program I think the program has had a ceiling on it and it's been a slow burn I mean it's a slow riser I guess not to say that when I when I say this that we are um, underperforming relative to expectations because anytime Auburn succeeds in basketball uh, it's matching expectations uh, exceeding expectations I would say honestly um, but I feel like it's been a glass ceiling for Auburn because of various reasons some out of their control that have not led to Auburn being the face of college basketball yet, although they've certainly beaten many of the faces. Uh, in 2019, the you could chalk it up to the officiating uh, on top of another different things. Uh, but for whatever reason, Auburn eventually succumbed to the Virginia uh, momentum that was that season. Season preceding that, uh, I think experienced the majority of that season as a sub three loss team. Uh, Macklemore getting hurt and having an RA short rotation kind of stopped the train that was 2017 Auburn as a clear, pretty uh, uncut, uh, pretty, pretty de- definitive best in the SEC. After getting hurt, I believe Kentucky ultimately won that uh, SEC championship that year. Uh, but I think Auburn would have. Probably cons- consistent, uh, consistently. I, f- I keep on forgetting it's not a word. Unanimously been picked as the best team in the conference had Macklemore not gotten hurt. Um, 
and in 2020, I'm a little bit less uh, hyped for that team's uh, postseason prospects just because I felt like we've seen kind of the best of what some of those guards had to offer. Uh, but I will say Auburn had one of the better defenses on ball, in my opinion, uh, that year, 2020, 2019-2020. So maybe having seen that in a uh, in a in a Bruce Pearl atmosphere. I mean, when you have the stakes rise, I think Bruce Pearl does match him pretty much as well as anybody. Uh, and then you would have had, you know, the Tennessee win that had a lot of momentum. Uh, you had, I think, Auburn's number two seed in the uh, AC tournament, so double by. I mean, they could have happened. And then the 2020-21 season, I mean, you lose on Jalen Green, you lose on Greg Brown. They both go to teams that were situations I think did not help them at all raise or stop. And that's not me saying that about every single um, G League situation, but or non Auburn college team, but those who specifically picked teams that did not help them out. Uh, Brandon Boston also went to Kentucky. I don't think he really seriously considered us up at a certain point, but he did with Kentucky. Walker Kessler to UNC. So you just kind of swung for the fences. And because of either uh, eligibility, re- not eligibility, but NCAA reasons or other reasons, uh, you didn't get the type of guys you wanted to get. Uh, you were pretty much with Sharif, who fast forward this year, left. Uh, you lost Sharif when you were supposed to return. You missed on Tati Washington because of maybe certain uh, NIL opportunities for Kentucky. Uh, <laughs> million dollar deal. Um, I mean, you go on and go on. Scoot Henderson. This team, she only had the makings of one that should have been, if he was at a certain point offseason, the clear number one in the SEC. And because some recruits went one way instead of the other, you pretty much were settling for about third or fourth uh, in the SEC at best. Uh, you were you were not necessarily in a, a far tier lower than Tennessee, Arkansas, uh, mainly Arkansas and uh, Alabama. Uh, I think Kentucky, Tennessee, Alabama, depending on where you look, were in tier one. Arkansas and Auburn in the tier two. Sometimes you had Tennessee in some metrics in that tier two as well. But you were not thought of being a tier one of the program, no matter what, kind of where you scanned at. And um, you know, just good development led to guys being good. So. I still have to say that this win, if it was number 12, Tennessee, Alabama, Florida, whoever, this win was large. The fact that it finally feels like in a situation in which Auburn could have failed, probably plummeted uh, based on the tentative, I uh, felt like um, tentative poses that they've had for the past couple of weeks. Uh, they could have easily failed to a fifth or sixth if they lost this game uh, with how much I think the polls already just, and metrics don't seem to like Auburn that well. Uh, this could have been a failure opportunity set up for Auburn and instead jumped over the hurdle and kept on going. Um, so shout out to Auburn University. And then going from there, I'm making away about about this this game in particular. Is that I think that Auburn will play teams better than them in the starting five in the playoffs. Um, I think that's almost absolute in my opinion because I think there's some um, there's some weaknesses I would say uh, that expose itself for, for long stretches with Auburn I think Zeb Jas- Jasper is not a very good ball handler against pressure uh, this, he has some better moments in the second half but he, as you've largely seen it was pretty much Wendell Green or Flanagan bringing the ball up the court kind of make some of the tougher decisions uh, when it came to facilitating. I think Zepp is a capable, steady hand, but when you have a guy that's pretty much getting met at the three-fourth corners of the court, 
uh, and being either had to pick up his dribble or barely make it across half court before the uh, eight seconds, which this is the first time it's happened is that this season. Um, you kind of just get to a point where you that's a that's a deficit, right? Like his defense is going to kind of raise that gap between him and the next guy, but I think it's very easy to project seeing multiple point guard options being better than him in the um, kind of the comparison. And then with Katie Johnson, you're going to get stretches where he's just not taking very smart shots and, um, you know, turn the ball over sometimes as well. That's very possible with, with Katie. I mean, I, I would say that if we, there was actually a chart that kind of projected uh, Auburn's depth, depth and starting lineup against theirs. And we lost the starting lineup comparison. I mean, I think we pretty much had a pretty consensus loss across the board. I think it was like three out of five positions, if not four out of five. But our bench and uh, intangibles and um, also home field advantage kind of made up that gap. So you take out home field advantage out of this game, I don't think you win. But um, I do think there is something to be said for the intangible aspect because you could get a situation where Zeph is being clamped up. You could get a situation where Katie's turning the ball over, making errant drives, not looking to pass. But you also get one where Katie's making what? Three out of five points, three out of five uh, three pointers, going six out of seven from the free throw line. Uh, only one turnover versus uh, zero assists, but you know, that's not going to be this game. Um, you can have Zep have some games where he's playing off the ball, getting uh, good, uh, good three point shots up. He's a pretty capable uh, three point shooter, in my opinion. But those are moments that can happen. Uh, and then, I mean, you can get some moments where you do get a good Flanagan game where he's playing point guard well, uh, looking to pass, uh, rebounding, uh, you know, putting pressure in the rim with his drives. Which, I mean, if you're not getting a good shooting game out of Flanagan, you also get something else good. He doesn't ever just give you nothing. Uh, at least at this point this year, he hasn't given us nothing as an entire game. Sometimes he had some very tough offensive performances, but always gives you something intangible wise and um walker i mean i think walker was the metrically inferior uh player uh depending on just what you looked at against oscar i mean it's not like it was a massive gap but i think he won this matchup i feel like and this was i mean he won this matchup and it wasn't even like the best opportunities for walker like i felt like there's moments where he got his in the post and didn't give it didn't get again the post for like 20 minutes uh, he was able to do some dribble driving uh, to at least make our boy Oscar respect him. I say our boy, you know, but uh, make Oscar respect him. Um, multiple times where Oscar Shibewe, or I like to call him Shibewe. I think it's Shibewe, but I like to call him Shibewe. Uh, Oscar would step up on some of those uh, screens uh, with the one in the five, and he would just leave. Well, I know this is probably more of a scouting report than anything, but he would leave Walker with an uh, alley of opportunity. And many times, our guards were just tentative seeing Oscar going down the rim or going down the lane, and they just wouldn't throw him in the first half. As time progressed in that first half, especially the second half, they just started taking opportunities. They were there. I mean, he could have had as many alley opportunities as he had. He could have had at least three or four more, I would say. Uh, Shiway would just would routinely play up on those and they were there I mean they were even there with Cardwell in some degree but it's obviously a lot harder trying to track Cardwell he doesn't have the same arm length uh he's more of an explosive jumper but sometimes it's hard placing balls against four, four jumpers versus guys who are just tall 
it's a little more of a constant, but I digress. Um, I just want to say, like I say, with Auburn, they're going to play better teams starting five-wise, but it's really about how much you can do with those Shane Williams minutes. Shane Williams did fantastic, in my opinion, uh, asserting himself around the uh, rim and also doing some um, good boxing out, uh, fighting. Maybe not, he only got one rebound, but fighting to make sure somebody else got a rebound, which it was a game rebound day. I mean, you did, you won the rebound game against Oscar Shioi, and you won it, in my opinion, pretty successfully. I mean, the rest of the team had 12, so you pretty much eliminated everybody else. You did a good job, I think, of game surrounding uh, Shiwe. So, in my opinion, you did a good job. Kessler did a really good job, I think, of stalemating uh, Shiwe and allowing somebody else to get a rebound multiple times as well. That's why he only had seven. Um, so, I digress there. But the bench, I think it's going to make Auburn a contender or not. If the bench does not show up for some of these games, like let's say it's a Purdue or a, um, I don't know, maybe a, a Baylor. I can see those being games where you lose fairly convincingly, but that bench is going to make it up. And it should. I mean, you can, you have seen many games where Auburn would have not the same best player from game to game. Like, there was a stretch where you had uh, Jabari had the best game, uh, Katie Johnson, uh, Wendell Green. I mean, Walker, like, this is like literally just in the uh, late OSC stretch. A different guy would be the best player in any given game. And that it's probably going to be something that has to happen for them to make a, or a long march run. It's going to need multiple guys to have good days, especially with the, uh, in my opinion, variability uh, amongst the uh, point guard play. I think it's necessary. Uh, number two, I kind of spoke already to the impact of the game. That's kind of what I want to talk to, which is the impact of the uh, situation. Auburn should be number one in the uh, next uh, AP poll, it, or I believe number four in the current NET uh, and he, I think also projected well in Ken Pomeroy's uh, ranking or computer system. So essentially everything you needed to happen against a team that was fairly uh, high in multiple polls. I mean, Kentucky, I think, was higher than us in some of these computer models. But um, number five in Ken Palm, Kentucky's only fell, fallen to one spot and not even a massive uh, deficit between us and them. They've fallen to number six. So... I don't say that to say like you should put too much stock into metrics, but this win was one against a metrically sound team, and it was one that definitely allows you to pull higher in some of those. Uh, this is an example uh, in Jesse Newell's uh, system. He's the only one that uses, I think, computer models to base his AP poll off of, but I think he's the only one that, that I know of that. Is that rain? Oh, it's a car. Holy shit. I think he's the only one that uses a um, just entirely statistical-based model. So this allows you to pull higher notes, obviously. Um, and then, I mean, you just you just pay back to the fans. I mean, the fans were out there. Maybe it shouldn't have been. Maybe the uh, Auburn administration should have had a better, a better um, uh, way of doing this, a better model, because they did know, and they prepared for it. They didn't know that this was going to be a situation for, at least this Wednesday, that I'm aware of. At least since Wednesday, knew it was going to happen. So they should have been able to come up with a better suggestion than this. People got trampled. Uh, people were freezing. People could not pee very often because of line placement. Uh, There's a barricade system where after a while, you know, when the people were out there um, after the game and the gym meet ended, uh, there wasn't a line per, per se. 
So it was just literally, what are we gonna do when it becomes a line, a structured line? And people just basically ran into the barricades that was set up by the police around 11 p.m. or so. And many people that were there from the jump didn't even get to get into the game. Um, I'm sure hypothermia will be a problem going forward. Pneumonia probably as well. So just things, I mean, that could have been done better. But this, I think, is a landmark moment for the development of Auburn as a um, actual basketball program. I mean, the, the the money is coming in. The viewership is there. The recruits are there. The scouts are coming in. I mean, it's really just coming down to, you know, how much can you get out of the fans? How much can they continue to rise to the challenge? And they've done that every year since 2017. Um, and I've been here since 2017, so I'm glad to see that for myself. Um, number three, I have to close out on. I feel pretty good about the rest of the schedule, about the balance with you. Kind of projecting a, a earlier podcast where the uh, pitfalls have come from. And I think I mentioned games such as um, the road game against Alabama, road games against Alabama and Ole Miss. I think I projected that it would be a loss in that. Obviously, there wasn't. I thought this would be probably the second or third hardest game you played today. Um, and it was. It was the hardest game, in my opinion. And, you know, they won that. I kind of just threw out there that at Florida and at Tennessee, I thought they split that. Right now, I'm not sure. Uh, Florida appears to be a good bit worse than I thought they'd be. Um, at least a lot more consistent. They do not appear to be a team that offers you a ton out of, out of Calcerton. Um, but obviously, they play smart defense all the time. And Mike White uh, does a beautiful job, I think, of uh, frustrating Bruce Pearl's offense. So you still can't say anything about that. And then other good opportunities have really messed up in the swamp. But this is a, a situation to which, I mean, they lost games against Alabama, LSU there. Similar teams, obviously. Uh, I believe they lost uh, one of these OOC games were in there, too. I don't know. I'm not sure which one. But the point being, they've lost multiple games in the swamp. So it's, I don't think it's as galvanized uh, as a uh, lockdown place as it maybe was in years past. Um and Tennessee, I'm not sure about that to this day. I mean, Tennessee, I don't know. It depends on what birds you got. They just beat LSU at home by 14, I believe. They had the shit be out of my Kentucky on the road, obviously. Um, it's just about what Kentucky, uh, Tennessee you get. I mean, there's Tennessees that feature multiple NBA-looking guards. Vescovi uh, looks great. Fulkerson can sometimes be uh, a, a really a real difference maker. Not like it's Auburn, but sometimes in general... Um, I mean, it's just, you never know what you got to do, really. But just scanning through, I mean, A&M, that's a game that seems a lot bigger than it used to be. Uh, I believe A&M narrowly, narrowly lost against Kentucky while, I think, going what, one out of 21 from three. Uh, so that's a little bit scary. Um, did a good job of clamping up Severe and uh, Ty Ty, uh, who both were healthy for that game, obviously. And um, that's a primetime slot, and it seems to be right now. Uh, 212 to 30 p.m. SEC Network at home, so I'm not too worried about that, but they have beaten us twice, both in really good seasons. Um, they have beaten this Auburn program twice in really good seasons in Auburn Arena. Both in the very contentious games, I remember correctly, but again, something to consider there. Uh, outside of that, I mean, pretty much I would say smooth sons for the most part. You go to at George, you go at the Arkansas, Arkansas, Musselman, uh, a couple NBA level guys on that team, especially in the, the uh, wings and guards, but I mean, this is an Arkansas team that's, I think, fell woeful, woefully short of expectations. Uh, and, I mean, seventh in the SEC with a 
about, what, 10 games to go or so. I mean, not a good look. They're currently playing uh, A&M. We will see how that game is looking like real quick. But, they're, I mean, they're a team that I feel like the guards on, on our team just play confident defense. That should be a game you probably win fairly easily, in my opinion. I forgot the ESPN's is bullshit where you can't even, like, really just click on the uh, stat. You got to, like, maneuver around. Like, you can't, like, it's a live game. You can't just click on it. Uh, Arkansas is up eight at home against Texas A&M, so that would be huge, I feel like. Uh, they are the only team that's within two games of us now. Uh, Kentucky has two losses, but with the, uh, obviously, the tie, or the uh, head-to-head, basically three losses now. So, you get A&M to lose, you beat them, you pretty much, I think. Like, let's, let's just put down the, the, the fucking, you know, put the, uh, the pedal to the metal and just throw out expectation. Um... If you beat at Missouri, one of the worst teams in the uh, SEC, you beat Oklahoma, who's a really good team, really spunky team. Uh, I hate using that, uh, <laughs> that descriptor, but you go to you beat Alabama at home, you beat Georgia, that will have you at uh, 19 and 1, 20 and 1, 21 and 1, 22 and 1. 22 and 1 with three more conference wins and only, I'm kind of off my head here pretty much, uh, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8. I believe it's eight games remain at that point, all SEC play. I would probably, probably venture to guess that if you beat uh, at Arkansas and then you beat A&M, you pretty much clinched everything. I think right now it's Tennessee at third. Um, no, it's like Kentucky at third, and I believe it's Tennessee under them. Uh, I could be wrong about that, but like I said, three games on Kentucky now, and then, I mean, you beat A&M, who could lose today. Let's say they win today, but you beat A&M, you pretty much are three games ahead of them as well they're currently two games back so I mean you're in my opinion Gucci at that point like with five games remaining six games remaining and you have a three-game lead on both of the teams that are in pitching distance uh Mississippi State I don't think you've played them yet and it does not appear that you play Mississippi State period oh you play them at the end of the game or the second penultimate game in uh Starkville I mean I don't I don't know I mean they're what they're two and a half games back of first place currently you could drop that game, feasibly speaking, and be fine. Uh, Tennessee, you could also drop, reasonably speaking, and be fine. There's a three-game gap here. Essentially, all you have to do is just beat A&M. And then, uh, I, I think pretty much the rest of it works out from there. I mean, you can't lose too many because, like, it is a three-game back situation with, with, uh, with um, but I won't say three-game because it's currently five and two against seven on Auburn. So, if Auburn drop two, they would be tied, but like, if you drop a third game, they would obviously be in deficit, so I'm not projecting the weight the right way, but I say it all, say it like, if you can avoid losing pretty much any back-to-back weeks, um, or losing back-to-back any given week, you pretty much should be good to win the SEC uh, fairly easily. I would imagine you just need to win A&M, win at Arkansas, who is Actually, three and a half games back, so not training pretty pretty well. But I think winning at Arkansas is pretty much the hardest road game I'm looking at. I mean, the Tennessee game. The only thing about that is that like you haven't played Tennessee since I believe 2017 in uh, Knoxville, if I remember correctly. Um, they might have played. I want to say that 2020 game, the last game of the season. I want to say that was actually in Knoxville. But outside of that, the last one I remember was the 2017 game, uh, and they. They won that. I mean, fairly. Arvis Kentucky. I should put Arvis Tennessee. My bad. Um, they won that one either way, no matter where it was at. So they pretty much travel well against Tennessee. They, they, you know, do well no matter where they go to. 
but that could be a game where Rick Barnes probably plays some pride and like refuses to get his ass kicked by Auburn again. Um, yeah, so you beat them. Uh, you did beat them in Tennessee that last game. They were ranked, and Tennessee was not, but you did beat them at 22 in Knoxville. So they have two wins of, of note against uh, Tennessee and Knoxville in the past, you know, six years or so. But I don't know. That's it for me. Uh, I hope you enjoyed this. I tried to be a little more uh, encompassing with how I cover things, and I, I feel like I did a decent job. I don't know if I did a great one, but. Um, I would say Auburn had a very good win, one that, to me, feels like their best at this point, at least narratively speaking, definitely is. Uh, I think the moment is bigger than Kentucky, or bigger than just one opponent, and I hope that Auburn does not lapse after taking the number one spot. They should be, I would think, the consensus number one seed, uh, overall seed, and the number one team in the AP poll. I think that's pretty easy to see, and... I mean, I don't see how they see it at this point. I mean, you have multiple games against top 40 NET teams on the, the uh, docket. Alabama, uh, Tennessee, uh, I think Florida's like within a 50 range or so. Um, Arkansas should be also about that 40 range or so. So yeah, pretty much, I mean, really, I think I talk about one. I think I have St. Mary's. I don't know who else they play outside of that. They already played San Francisco. They played BYU. Um, so the uh, really good one in that same general range as far as the uh, WCC goes, but they feel much used with their, their good opportunities at this point, so you really have a chance to create some space, I feel like, metrically speaking, and you can just continue winning solid games, not kind of the uh, clusterfuck turnovers of, like, some say the old Miss game, but you can get some more performances like the um, the back half of the old Miss game or the uh, the uh, first half of the Georgia game where you look like a truly dominant uh, team. You pretty much should go a long way with a uh, crushing things, but yep, hope you enjoyed. We'll try to find a way to do more Auburn pod, uh, pod related stuff. It's going to be, I pretty much feel like the climax of the regular season, unless you have a loss that makes things more contentious, but it should be smooth stuff at this point. I mean, you played some of the better teams already, some of the harder challenges, so it might be hard to develop a true um, content, but I think when this, it's funny to watch, or will be fun to watch, to see how Kessler's stock rises, and if Flanagan can kind of find his own role as a number one option, well, not number one option, but, uh, you know, real, real uh, leader, again, in terms of just offense. He's a leader uh, speaking-wise and in the intangible way, but as far as um, asserting himself in offense, it'd be interesting to see if that can happen again. Uh, I think today was a long um, a way to kind of return of him. He looked like that guy again. He's had moments like that. It's like Alabama and such, but it felt like this was the Flanagan uh, moment. Uh, him and Kessler, in my opinion, easily the best players in the first half for Auburn. And uh, I think Flanagan still put a positive spin on the game, even in the second half. When it was more of the Wendell show and Jabari uh, also featured a little bit. But that's it. Peace.